The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Dude, good news. The rain has come. Fire season <laughs> is over. You can, you can cease worrying about burning alive, I, I which has take- to be one of the worst ways to die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it never seemed like I was personally physically in danger, but you know, I figured like I was going to lose all my books, at least all the (laughs) ones that I couldn't pull out that were signed. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. It's either way. It's good that it's, uh, the threat has passed. It's such a colossal relief. Uh, especially to have it end while we're still in October. Because, I yeah. mean, there have been years where we entered November and it's like, it ought to be ending any day now. Um, mm. It's over. You realize uh, once it starts raining like that, what a background stressor it is, right? Like you're not aware that you're walking around with it all the time. But then once it's gone, you're like, oh, I guess that was eating psycho-emotional brain space. Well, so I'll say it's it's not it's a little different than that. Every time it gets really hot and every time the wind blows, it, it <laughs> it's like the the iceberg that suddenly pops up above the surface. The dorsal fin of the shark. Every time it gets hot and the wind blows, do you mean like daily? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like August. No, you have waves yeah. of heat. Yes, <laughs> I got I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, can I just observe? You sound really good today. (laughs) (laughs) That is a, um, (laughs) that is a, you're a cruel bastard. Uh, that is a, an excellent segue to some, a brief discussion of, um, my microphone, (laughs) which we determined last. So listeners, Patrick has been trying to understand why my audio sounds so bad for, months now oh not that bad but it i knew it could sound better there were there had to be a reason why i couldn't get it to sound um as good as i think i can do and and people should know also that right now i am sitting on a large cushion in a walk-in closet my laptop and microphone are both on soft surfaces because i've been trying this is the extent i've gone to to try to improve my audio quality and then last week we discovered what well you held your microphone up in front of the camera as you were manipulating it to some degree and i noticed that oh the front of the microphone is microphone is facing me not john yeah microphone backwards so if you wonder what a 50 year old (laughs) What the learning curve is for a 50-year-old dude uh, on a podcast, it's approximately 21 episodes or something like that. 
We do like to keep it real here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you count the uh, episodes of Revolting that I recorded with the microphone backwards, it's 30, 33, something like 33 episodes. Okay. Yeah. You know, but this is proof that when people say, you know, there's always room for improvement. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to con- convince me. <laughs> All right. I live with me every day. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Okay, so where are you taking us today? What's your pull? Uh, so the, the story is I got away for a long weekend. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote about it in last week's TCI Friday. Uh, it's this yearly trip that I take with some friends. We rent this place on Block Island, which is this little island off the coast of Rhode Island. It's about an hour by ferry. Um, I love taking ferries places. I love I love leaving on a boat. That's what I like to do. I like to leave on a boat. There's something very like metaphorically powerful about boating away from your responsibilities. Mm. Like if there's contiguous landmass between you and your responsibilities, even if you're very far, I don't know. I feel like they can still get you. But once yeah. you leave shore, well, you know, you're off the hook. And I like that. So uh, this place in the summertime is absolutely crawling with people and not just people, but like people on rented mopeds. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. I can attest. Yeah. Yeah. I can. I can imagine that it's hell on earth or at least, you know, in my mind. And what's funny is that it's a pretty pricey place to go. It's an um, island. All islands are expensive. Yeah. It's an island covered with very large homes and uh, people. So the, the irony in my mind is that people pay the most to go there when it's the least awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the off season, it's much more affordable for a, a dirtbag like me. And there's a lot fewer people there. Um, I can't imagine paying more to go to a place with crowds, but my value system is maybe slightly different than most vacationers. And, uh, to be fair, I don't have many of the same constraints on my time and my geographical location that other people have to live with. Um, and this, this poll is not me trying to rub everyone's nose in the fact that I have the ability to take this kind of vacation because as a writer, I make certain sacrifices to have the life I have. I, as I said on, I must've been a TCI Friday going back a few months. I'm never properly on vacation because the laptop is always there and I am always serving, uh, one of my, uh, many clients are working on one of my many projects i happen to love them all so it doesn't bother me that much um so what i'm trying to say this week is that finding the clear path should be the goal of most cyclists which is there's a leap here okay um and it's being on the island and riding these empty dirt roads reminded me of the part of my life when I worked in the city and jammed myself through traffic every day to get to work. And when you do that for long enough, eventually you get hit by a car, which I did. I got hit a few times. <laughs> and you also have inter- unfortunate interactions with pedestrians, which I did as well. Luckily, I only ever hurt myself in those incidents. Um, and at some point, well, cause you don't want to, you know, if a bike hits a pedestrian, you're the bad guy, no matter what I think. 
Yeah, no, there um, is a certain, yeah, implicit, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I was writing fixed one time, uh, and I was late to get home, and I and I went along next to a city bus, and the city bus was like three or four cars back from the intersection, but a father and son had decided to cross in the middle of the road, and right to the, as I got to the front of the bus, which obviously you can't see through a bus, the two of them stepped out. In directly into my path uh and somehow i managed to like skid and go over the bars uh and avoid hitting this kid and they were both very sorry but um that's the sort of thing that happens well okay but i'm gonna jump in here and observe that you were riding fixed yeah you were the culprit i i yes yeah, that's right yeah yeah this is what I'm saying. You're the bad guy. Well, but had you been on something with a freewheel? Um, I and proper think breaks, I still would have gone over the bars. Maybe, but you would not have been the villain. Oh. Well, maybe you're right. Reg- as we say sometimes <laughs> here in Boston, irregardless. <laughs> At some point, I had this realization that I would enjoy my daily ride a hell of a lot more if I chose the path less traveled. Mm. It's only right that I should cite Frost as a New Englander, right? Um, I started taking the long way, and the long way has all these benefits that I wasn't thinking about when I was operating with a more A to B mindset. And when, honestly, I just felt entitled to my space on the road, an entitlement, I'll add, that no one else recognized. (laughs) Mm, yep so here's what you get you get safer for one you see a lot of stuff you wouldn't see otherwise for Mm. example i started commuting down the river into the city after maybe the second time i got hit by a car (laughs) so i started riding down the river there's a fantastic park that ribbons along the charles river in boston and especially winter, spring, and fall, it's less crowded, and the bird life alone makes spinning down that way really worthwhile and relaxing. It's a nice way to begin and end your day. You get more miles from going the long way mm-hmm. and going out of your way, which is seldom a bad thing. I can always use miles. And you get the mind space to think your own thoughts instead of always playing defense. Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of like plugging into the stress of a crowded space. And this is sort of the connection between going away to this vacation island at a time when no one else is there and, you know, finding the paths on your bike where people aren't, even if it takes you longer, even if it's out of your way, even all of those things. So, and I take a similar uh, approach to mountain biking. I go to the more popular spots and they're popular for a reason. (laughs) Um, I go to, because they're great. I go at dawn. And that little sacrifice of like getting up a little earlier makes a huge difference to my experience of the place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. None of this is revolutionary. I just can tell you that when I started prioritizing my experience over my convenience on the bike, Mm -hmm. when I gave up on like, but I should be able to do this thing and just went with, but I can do it this other better way. My cycling got more, much more interesting and much more enriching in in all those ways I was talking about. So that's hmm. my that's my poll for the week. Okay. Uh one I don't even know what to call it, but uh I have a uh an experience that I'll share 
uh, along these lines. So some years back, I was working for a publisher that uh, specialized in trade publications. Uh, and they also had a couple of trade shows that they put on. Um, and they wanted everyone in the office pretty early. So a lot of times I couldn't do my traditional uh, group rides in the morning. But I, rather than taking the most direct way to work on those mornings I chose to ride in, uh, I would take a slightly longer route. What we're talking about is like nine miles versus five miles. Okay. Yeah. Almost double. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was kind of like, you know, it, it was the obvious less direct route to come up with anything longer was going to start to require some real, you know, weird path creation and whatnot, route creation. Mm. So one morning, the son of the company founder uh, is there and he was like group director of a, I don't know, uh, a dozen magazines or so. And, you know, this is a guy who'd grown up uh, with a father who was never around and then suddenly he goes to work for the father and now they're just raking it in and he drives, you know, I think every vehicle he owned was from Mercedes um, and he owned multiple vehicles just for his own use. Mm. Uh, so, you know, successful guy, right? He looked at me one morning. He's like, you know, how, how far is the commute and not thinking and just going to my natural mode of comedy. I said, not far enough. <laughs> and the look on his face suggested that had anyone not seen the previous five seconds up to that expression on his face, you'd think I'd, I'd have punched him. Huh. Uh, and, uh, the backpedaling, I was not on a fixie. Uh, the backpedaling <laughs> necessary to get my out myself extricated from that situation took the better part of a minute. Uh, it was a lot of explaining, a lot of very fast talking because I honestly thought he was going to fire me. <laughs> it was just, it was like, well, I'm oh. glad you don't work there anymore. It sounds pretty, uh, oh, that place was so uptight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and it was funny because they really didn't like creativity. <laughs> I was, I was a fish, uh, in the middle of the Mojave there. It was yeah. not a good situation. I can relate to that. I worked in educational publishing for a, a decade. And part of the reason I was able to s stick at it so long, despite being who I am, is that they would tolerate me showing up for meetings splattered in mud. All right. But if, yeah. but if it hadn't, if that hadn't been tolerated, I, I would have had a hard time, you know, yeah. because it's not really when you ride through the winter in Boston, it's not really optional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was an occasion when I had to go get a physical and they actually did a, a stress test on me and I brought a trainer and I brought my bike and, uh, so we got to do it in a little different sort of way. Well, when I got back to the office later that afternoon and you could see that I had been sweaty at some point during my absence, mm. it's, I didn't have any specific words other than suspicion for the way I was being viewed. <laughs> I, I think that my boss didn't actually believe I'd been to the doctor. 
What sort of a man would pursue sweaty activities? During the middle of the workday. Right. You know, what, why would I lie about going to the doctor when I really was just going out for a ride? Why, why would I take that approach? Right. Yeah. And uh, it was, yeah, it was so strange. And that, like, the whole next week was uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, the I mean, I hear way. these stories and I just think, why, you know, don't, having a job is overrated. <laughs> we say to a bunch of employed people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we are not advocating anyone change their circumstance, really. We're we allege that we're only here to encourage people to write more. Yeah. Taking the longer I mean, rate. I'm advocating it, but you know, <laughs> take my advice. Are we each other's boss? Mm. Mm. We we are we are co-bosses. Oh, co-bosses. Yeah. I answer to uh, you and me. Yeah, that sounds right. I because yeah, that gives me an opportunity to to be falling short in someone's eyes at all times. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm not writing a review for you. I'm not writing your employee review. You're gonna have to do that yourself. You might want to revive I'll that. Proofread one. it after. That sounds <laughs> that sounds good. All right. <laughs> Yes. So anyway, I, I, you know, I support your, your general approach here. Yeah. You know, something else I got to ask, like so many places in New England that are touristy spots, you get after Labor Day and like all the hotels close. Uh, yeah. Is, is it easy to find lodgings? Well, I mean, you've been doing this for years, so I guess the answer is yes. We have one particular place scoped out where a very wealthy, uh, absentee, uh, a person um, is willing to rent it to a bunch of uh, smelly whatevers uh, because we're the only ones that are going to rent it from him this time of year. Oh, uh, and so we take it every year in you know October, sometimes November. And frankly, it was very warm. It was summery. Many people would have said that it was beautiful. As you know, I prefer. Uh, a cold wind to be blowing most of the time. <laughs> so I was a little disappointed, but I actually swam in the ocean, uh, several times in new England in October. And, uh, so that was a, a nice side benefit. I, the last time I got in the ocean in new England, it was August. And I felt like I'd been in a time machine that had taken me back to prior to puberty. <laughs> Because of what disappeared. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, that you would get in the water, in the ocean, in New England in October. Yeah. I, I mean, if we needed any further proof that you really are somebody who prefers it cold. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it it was very warm from my (laughs) perspective. (laughs) It was delightful. Like, you know, for me, the line, there's a point where you get in the water and it's so cold that your bones hurt. It's like yeah. radiating through yeah. August you know, like, point Judith, just a few miles from where you were. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I did not experience that, that pain. Uh, <laughs> so I would call that delightful and refreshing. <laughs> you really are made of metal. We, we have, we have flogged this horse though. We have flogged this horse. 
Yes. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to take a break and we will be back in just a minute. The Pace Line is brought to you by The Cycling Independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader-supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on Support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Time for your poll, Patrick. What do you got? So we're going to begin with a little peek behind the curtain this week. Um, uh, and what passes for... <laughs> yes, beware. Uh, <laughs> abandon all hope, all ye who enter. In what passes for spare time, which is to say between the hours of 9 p.m. and 7 a.m., the margins of my day, I'm working on a novel. It concerns a rock band that makes it big for all of the wrong reasons. It borrows quite liberally from my own past in rock bands. Uh, and as a result, I've been thinking a lot about what my life was like as a musician. For reasons that I cannot explain, I flashed back on a conversation I had with another drummer. Uh, and this would have been like 1985 or something, who told me how helpful it was to his playing to take a break for two weeks, didn't pick up a drumstick for 14 days. And back then I played like I rode daily and at least an hour. Uh, it's no exaggeration to say that when I was playing professionally, I was putting in 18 to 24 hours a week, you know, just in practice. Uh, that's not even like band gigs. Um, you know, so much like my biggest training weeks I ever had as a writer. So taking a two-week break seemed less like a vacation than it did a question of just how long I might get along without oxygen. <laughs> when he returned to his kit, the staleness that had made his playing so frustrating coming up to that break was gone. Not only that, but he was playing new licks and heard certain figures correctly so that he could play them, you know, correctly without uh, needing to rehearse them. Um, and some of this goes to, you know, uh, the assimilation that you do in your downtime. Uh, so there's real neuroscience here. But that got me to thinking about my writing. Now, currently, I can't recall the last time I took a week off and just didn't worry at all about writing. I, just, I can't. Uh, and this season <clears throat> hasn't gone anything like I had hoped. Uh, after doing a couple of events early in the year, I'm back to avoiding large groups of people, which means everything from sea otter to grasshoppers. Uh, increased travel for me has disrupted my riding as well. I'm not enjoying my riding like I want to. I'm not using a should. I'd just like to enjoy my riding more. I decided yesterday that I'm going to take a break until the middle of November. What that means 
is that I'll allow myself a ride when it suits me, but I'm not going to look at the clock at 3 p.m. on a weekday and think, oh, I better get changed. I think of it as a riding reboot. For the next few weeks, I'm going to take that time I'd ordinarily be riding and work on my manuscript. And that seems like a smarter trade uh, given how well the, the writing has not been going and how well the writing is going. And just overall, my excitement about that project. Um, you know you, what advice I would give? Well, let's just jump in with that because I'm not going to claim I do. Well, my advice is ride the lightning. <laughs> You know, the moment I said, I don't know, I realized, (laughs) (laughs) yes, you do. (laughs) Oh yeah. That thing that's in front of you. That's exciting. Do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And right now, yeah, I have to say my writing isn't giving me those wonderful surprises that writing fiction is, uh, to have a character do something that two sentences before you didn't see coming. Mm. I, it is truly one of the strangest and most wonderful experiences of my entire life. And when it's the writing hap- writes itself. Yeah. When, when I'm getting these nudges, no, it goes over here now. Uh, when the character, when the person who does not actually exist says, no, I'm going to do this now, brah. It is, uh, it is so very strange and so very wonderful. Um, and I'm thinking that when I get back on the bike, uh, you know, things are likely to be a little more enjoyable. I did go for a ride yesterday afternoon and it was lovely. Um, but I hadn't been on the bike for a few days prior to that. Yeah. So you know, the, I think reminding ourselves that it's okay to take a break here and there, that we're not going to lose all of our fitness. Uh, I think it can be healthy and it was helpful for me to get that reminder, even if it did come from someplace else entirely in my life from whatever, 35 years ago. Yeah. My, uh, I try not to do things I don't enjoy. I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, in some ways I'm not a 12 year old. Like I can see that you, there are things that you have to do whether you like them or not. I'm not advocating for some sort of sociopathic, uh, forget everything and just do what you want, uh, scenario. But especially with riding really any of the stuff that I do that is, Anything that's optional, let's say, if I'm not enjoying it, I, I rethink it right away. You know, I have a piece uh, that'll be on the site tomorrow called Anti-Cycling. We talked about it, I don't know, f- four or five podcasts ago. And that's about, you know, connecting with the thing that isn't necessarily pedaling. Uh-huh. There's a lot about cycling that's not about cycling. Um, yeah. And making sure you're, I'm giving myself the ability to, to connect with those things and remember them and value them, you know, keeps me from burning out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
And we should clarify that by the time you guys are hearing this, that piece will already be live. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Click on over. <laughs> well, we'll include a link in the show notes. How's that? Oh, that sounds neat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but an enforced break uh, is good. It's good in, in so many ways. It's, you know, it's like uh, fasting to appreciate food again. It's like... Uh, taking the time to reorder your priorities when they've gone astray. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and there, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, I was just going to say, and there's a, there's a, I mean, you're like me in that you will just beat your brains against the wall to try to get back the thing that you know is in there somewhere. Right. Like yeah. I'll just keep pedaling until this feels good again. <laughs> yes, exactly. That that is that is exactly where I was going and how you know, sometimes you need to kind of sit up and go, you know, really this is what I'm getting more uh more enjoyment from. Uh this is rewarding me more, feeding my soul better. And yeah. uh it's okay to chase that. That's right. Yeah. I'm I'm a firm believer. Yeah, I have sometimes struggled to give myself that permission. Um, and I'm going to try to do that less. Well, I think we both believe that consistency is where, uh, progress and depth and learning comes from. Like sometimes the value of a thing doesn't present itself immediately. And you just have to keep after it until the truth, the truths begin to emerge. So I do think that's true. Um, but especially with a thing like cycling that we've been doing for so long, um, you know, I think stepping away as a fact, like, you know, we've got decades of staring at this thing uh, behind <laughs> us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, consistency. We know what consistency is. We've done it. We've been there. We've done it. And so, yeah, changing your approach Whatever you have to do, and this, I'm going to talk about this a little bit in my pace line pick, uh, whatever you have to do to find the motivation and the energy and the inspiration, I think is important. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've struggled to reconcile was that cycling helped me to realize that there is something uh, native to my personality that is particularly Zen and how it views the world. And so it's true that I ride my bicycle to ride my bicycle. Mm. And when you begin to see the world with that lens, when you're not riding your bicycle, you kind of start wondering, well, I'm, I'm need to get back to that thing that I do. Right. Especially when, you know, the thing that you do has been a solution for so much else. Sure. And I think that's, part of what I've struggled with is that, well, writing makes me feel better. Why is right. it making it, why is it not making me feel better? I keep pressing this bar. Why don't I keep getting food pellets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, things are about to go very poorly for my main character. They are, oh, no. they are starting to stack up uh, against him. And uh, I don't really know how it all turns out. So I'm, Did, I'm eager to see what happens. 
now approaching the exciting denouement. Uh, Act three is, is about to unleash a um, storm of um, effluent. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, listeners should put a reminder in whatever digital calendar runs their lives that tells them to purchase this book uh, at their local bookseller in a year's time. That would be pretty flipping awesome. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, if I can just get an agent to talk to me right now, I oh, will don't, feel- don't, don't go there. We're busy <laughs> manifesting your success. Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't discount. Uh, all right. Dreaming's for free, man. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I will, I will begin my reading tour in Boston then. Yeah, that's a good idea. There we go. You can tell me uh, which bookstore. I can't go to Grolier because this won't be po- poetry. Well, we can go right around the corner to the Harvard Bookstore, which is a lovely, not affiliated with the university bookstore. They sell great <laughs> books, and I will set fireworks off during your reading. <laughs> Life just gets better and better. Doesn't it? Yeah. See how this dreaming thing works? <laughs> I should try that some. Alrighty, yeah. Paceline Picks. Paceline pick. This week I'm picking YouTube and Vimeo. <laughs> All right. This is not a paid advertisement for either of those services unless someone at one of those companies wants to break me off a check. <laughs> In which case, <laughs> uh, hit me up you. at robotcyclingindependent.com. <laughs> I hesitate to even mention YouTube because there's such a dominant Goliath of media evil that pays their content providers in sawdust and empty wishes. But... As someone who has been riding bikes for decades, as I said a moment ago, writing about them, thinking about them, etc., 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 moving them out of the way to do laundry, I put a premium on motivation and also on novelty. Some listeners may have noticed Friday video features we've started doing lately, and this is really just sharing some of the magical bike stuff that's out there in video form. And I think there are three obvious benefits to doing this. The first one is entertainment. Ah, you're only listening to this podcast for entertainment. God knows you're not learning anything. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) I am. I don't don't know why watching someone do an activity that I have done my whole life is still entertaining to me, but it is. (laughs) The second reason is motivation. Every time I stop to appreciate the beauty and joy of cycling, I get motivated to keep going. Mm. Mm -hmm. And third, and this is maybe a synthesis of the first two, I I actually learn things. I love trials riding, for example, even though I've never really done it except for messing around on mountain bikes. But you can learn so much about bike handling by watching trials riders and, and even BMX. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I end up incorporating that into my mountain biking and even on the road and gravel bike sometimes. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, we'll have a little video feature on Chris Acrig, who is, or is it Acrig? I think it's Acrig, who is one of the riders I pay attention to and a kid I find tremendously inspiring. So this pick is just to encourage people to get out there and look at what other people are doing. If you have really mind-blowing stuff that you've seen, stick it in the comments. We'll consider sharing it. I can't get enough of this stuff. I spend... steve sometimes is like... Uh, oh, he, he must be a say, gold mine. He Well, he is a gold mine, but he's, he also gets a lot of stuff. For, like, we were throwing a lot of videos back and forth. Some of it not fit for 
uh, human consumption, but I'll leave that to another podcast. <laughs> so that's me for today. What's your pick? My pick today is American Classic. Now, they are probably best known for making hubs, uh, but they recently introduced, get ready for it, a whole line of tires. <laughs> I, I was about to say that's a slick move. <laughs> See what I did there? I, honest to goodness, you know, because this company is so established and I've known the brand for so long, like clear back to the 1980s, when I got this press release, I don't think I've ever gotten a press release from a company with such an established re reputation that surprised me more than this. I should hasten to add, this is not a full review, but I was able to ask around and find out who was producing the tires for them. And it's a factory known for doing other very high quality tires overseas. Um, American Classics offering eight different tires, three road and five gravel. Uh, and the different designs range from a slick, you know, for road use to a big knob bruiser for gravel bikes. And the progression of designs uh, from smooth to knobby is pretty easy to grok. Uh, I've certainly looked at some tire lines and like, well, would this mm. tire be better for, the, or maybe this is the better. Right. These, you look at them and they get progressively more knobby as they go. It's visually the most uh, logical progression of tires mm that I think I've ever seen from a, a company. And this is American classic who has never done tires before. Um, now, another thing they did was because there are so many gravel tires in the 32 to 38 millimeter wide range, American classics approach has been to go big. Uh, and I don't mean that in some mythic sense. I mean, quite literally big. Each of their five gravel tires comes in three sizes and three sizes only. 700 by 40 millimeters, 700 by 50 millimeters, and what? 650B by 47 <laughs> millimeters. Yeah. yeah. 700 by 50. So if you want to do some uh, very rugged bike loaded bike packing on yeah. dirt roads, they have a tire for you. Trust me. Um, American classic has done something else that surprised me. They offer a two year warranty on their tires, which is unheard a of tire warranty. Well, okay. So one year warranties on tires are really way common. Just nobody ever really takes advantage of them because right. we know, you know, rubber. I had never thought of it. Yeah. So a one year warranty is really normal. Uh, and it's a very standard, you know, materials and workmanship warranty. But again, normally the warranty for a tire is only one year. American Classic went two years. That's not even their best, most significant move. They also offer what they call their road hazard replacement policy, which offers a 50% off one tire once in the event that someone cuts or tears a tire to the degree that it no longer holds air. The tires are all tubeless ready and feature a lightweight bead-to-bead -bead puncture and tear-resistant belt, uh, as well as microfiber composite tread compound. Uh, best of all, the road tires retail for $30 what? at retail. Yep, yep. And the gravel tires, okay, take a guess. I don't know what to say. 
Those are 30, wholesales. <laughs> How much are the gravel tires? $35. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, I've got two different tires from them right now. I just, I, okay, literally cannot wait. I'm going to have to, but I can't wait to get these on some wheels. Uh, I love the designs They They just look like tires that are very well suited to the riding I do. And at 40 millimeters wide, I can run them at 28 PSI and a whole large scale ass over rock. Nice. Yeah. I, so I, I have to do this uh, for my friends, Greg and Neil, and just say very quickly, it's a real American classic. <laughs> awesome yeah so there will be a link in our show notes um and i would say that is a wrap for another episode of the pace line um what sort of trouble are you getting into this weekend um not cycling related i'm taking my son for his first college visit oh yeah holy cow Right. On the you're getting old now checklist, this is number 17B. <laughs> what college? Uh, well, we're going to go to UMass Amherst. No, it, uh, dude. I, dude. Dude. Amherst. I mean, yes. Amherst. Amherst. Yeah. 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 If you say the H, you're definitely not local. No. And not even hip. No. Zoomass. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're going to go there. We're going there first. Uh, it's our state school, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. But that's this weekend. Ah, uh, uh, it'll. It, well, yeah, it should be really pretty there. Yeah, I'm going to try to sneak in some Western Mass adventure as well. <laughs> My wife grew up in the uh, shadow of the Peace Pagoda oh, in yeah. Leverett. Yeah, so we might go there. Oh, uh, there are some wonderful, wonderful roads up that way. I have, yeah. I have, uh, rude my existence more than once on the roads in that area. Yeah. My wife grew up in Leverett where the Peace Pagoda is. And there's a, a long, really sketchy dirt road there called Rattlesnake Gutter Road, which, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. is closed, uh, is closed for anything in winter, uh, except for sledding which I've been led to believe is epic. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I actually don't think I'm going to ride any this weekend, no. but not even yeah. because of the novel. Uh, yeah. It is raining now and it is predicted to like poor cats, dogs, and elephants this weekend. Congratulations. You need all yeah. that water. We, we really, really do. We are yeah. so, uh, so very droughted. Uh, that yes. we, we really need this. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, before we go, I want to let you all know about a new podcast. Uh, it, does it still count as new? Uh, no, it's not new anymore, okay. but get on it, everybody. Yeah. Uh, this is with Stevel Knievel of All Hail the Black Market. It's called Revolting, but again, it's not actually literally revolting. It's just not a cycling podcast in the traditional sense. Uh, it is a good listen. Uh, as I do continue to listen as I mix them, uh, I have sometimes lost my way in them because I've been laughing (laughs) and I've had to go back and re-listen to stuff, which caused me to laugh a second time. Uh, and I am ready to announce one of our new podcasts that's coming up. 
I don't know how many days from now we are launching the first episode, but it is called The Crash. Uh, And uh, John and I will be interviewing people about an occasion where things in cycling did not go well. But uh, rather than for uh, focusing on gore or anything else that uh, might make it an unpleasant listen, we're talking to people about lessons learned and silver linings that happened as a result uh, of these incidents. Learning about your true self through a collarbone fracture. There or, you go. Or a, a non, non-traumatic brain injury. Yes. Uh, early guests will include frame builder, Richard Sachs and mountain bike pioneer, Gary Fisher. That's exciting. It is. It really is. Uh, I, I look forward to getting these out there. We're getting close. Alrighty, everybody keep those questions coming. You send us great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by the cycling independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.